When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Sporting Goss with Tim Gossage. So much to get through the next two hours. Thank you. Welcome to the show. Sporting Goss here, Monday to Thursday, 10 till 12 on SEN and SEN Spirit 621. And you can download the podcast, of course. Tell your friends about it. I was walking past uh, Leadable Oval on Saturday lunchtime. A gentleman came up and said he really enjoyed hearing Justin Longmuir on Gilly and Goss. And he listens to the show and also the podcast download. So follow that man's lead. That would be absolutely brilliant if you did. Hey, big show. As we spoke this morning to Ben Everill, who's the golf writer, the Aussie golf writer for the PGA Tour.com. He, of course, was a great result for Phil Mickelson, the oldest winner of a golfing major over 50 years of age. He's almost 51. And um, he got the job done today at a few moments late in his round. The leading Australian is West Aussie. Jason Scrivener, he pocketed, I think, $135,000 for his work as well. So well done to Jason Scrivener, finishing in the top 25. Also on the show today, we'll be chatting with Trent Cooper, Fremantle Dockers AFLW coach. They had their big awards night last night, and Coops has been awarded with another two-year contract extension. So well done to him. Brody Martin, who won the Cottesoe Open, Golf Open, just so happens to work at Golf Box over there in Aussie Park, and I bought my putter off him, and I didn't realise it was the same bloke. We'll be chatting with Brody after 10.30. Swan District Sam Fisher, of course, Sandover medalist, has nominated for the mid-season draft in the AFL, which takes place very, very shortly. He's not holding his breath that he'll get picked up, but you can't hurt. So throw at the stumps. Jimmy Smith, NRL Nation, will be joining us, of course, SEN Sydney. And Jimmy will talk about the life of Bobby Fulton, one of the immortals of rugby league who died over the weekend. And Matt Keenan, SBS cycling commentator ahead of the next stage of the Giro Italia, which West Aussie Cam Meyer is still very much involved. Probably won't be winning it, of course, but certainly could figure in the stage finishes in the next couple of stages. And, of course, then they go on to the Tour de France and, of course, then they head to Spain. So plenty to get through. And, of course, I'd love to get some feedback from you if you are listening Love to hear whether you've had a lot of rain. And I know we've got a lot of farmers who listen, who are seeding or out on their, on their tractors and doing their thing out and about on their farming property. What's the faraway place that you're listening to us on the SEN app or possibly on SEN Spirit 621? Text us 0487 736 736. I know the mower man will be listening. He'll be in the uh, suburbs. Mowing a lawn, although it's not a great lawn mowing day today. I'd be interested to see how he uh, goes about his craft. 0487 736 736 or give us a call 13 12 55. And hello to Ryan from Southlake who called Gillian Goss this morning to talk about the the light show and the sound show and felt that it was slightly off at uh, Optus Stadium on Saturday night. 
but he didn't ring to ask about his insurance. He rang the number 13 12 55 to talk to Gillian Goss, and we have rejoiced. We've had a bit of a party. Uh, we bought some bells and whistles and some streamers. Yep, we were up and about. So you can always get in touch with us. But first and foremost, where are you listening to us? If you're in a faraway place today in this great state of Western Australia, where is the app landing uh, in this state of ours? Or you might not even be in WA. You might be somewhere else listening to SENWA on the app. 0487 736 Please text away. Let us know. Well, as I said, Phil Mickelson took hold of the PGA Championship. It's his sixth major win, his first one for some time. He's the oldest major winner in the world of golf, and he did it, uh, well, he was very good late. He did have some wonky times, but he did enough, and the crowd absolutely loved it. And it gives us all a hope being a left-hander. Here's Phil Mickelson, the latest PGA Championship winner. It, um, it's, it's been an incredible day, and... I have not let myself kind of think about the results until now. Now that it's over, I've tried to stay more in the present and the shot at hand, not jump ahead and race. I've tried to um, really shut my mind to a lot of stuff that was going on around. Like I, I wasn't watching TV. I wasn't getting on my phone. I was just trying to quiet things down because I'll get my thoughts racing. And I really just tried to stay calm. And um, I believed for a long time that I could play at this level again. I didn't see why I couldn't, but I wasn't executing the way I believed I could. And with the help of a lot of people, my wife especially, but Andrew Getson and, and my brother Tim and, and Steve Loy, I've been able to pro- make progress and, and then have this week. So um, it's been very, it's very exciting because um, I've had a few breakthroughs on being able to stay more present, be able to stay more more focused, and physically, I'm I'm striking it and playing as well as I ever have, but I haven't been able to see that clear picture. So, although I believed it until I actually did it, there was um, there was a lot of doubt. I'm sure. Phil, over the last several years, as as the age crept up, you you never really let that get in the way. You always downplayed it. Uh, actually try to dismiss it probably how how did you do that i mean certainly you know the history um that it that doesn't work out as much at this point what what did you do worked harder is is the deal i just had to work harder physically to be able to practice as long as i wanted to and i've had to work a lot harder uh to be able to maintain focus throughout a round that's been the biggest challenge of late and my my desire to play is the same. Like I, I've never been driven by exterior things. I've always been, you know, intrinsically motivated because I love to compete. I love playing the game. I love having opportunities to um, play against the best at the highest level. And so that's what's what drives me. And I think that that's what has um, the belief that I could still do it uh, inspired me to work harder. And, and um, it, I just didn't see why it couldn't be done. It just took a little bit more effort. Couple of questions, Phil. Congratulations. Thank you. You're going to have so many stories to tell when your career is over. You're going to tell some of them to your grandkids, I would imagine. How would you describe this day to them, do you think? Certainly one of the moments I'll cherish my, my entire life. And I don't, I don't know how to um, describe the feeling of um, excitement and fulfillment and, and um, accomplishment to, uh, to do something when. Uh, you know, at this magnitude when when uh, very few people b- thought that I could, but the people that believed in me, my wife, 
Amy and, and um, Tim and Andrew Getzit and Coach, so those people that um, continue to, to inspire me and get the best out of me. And you're going to be remembered for a lot of achievements. One of them now is an old guy who broke records. What does that mean to you? So, you know, it's, it's very possible that this is the last tournament I ever win, like if I'm, if I'm being realistic. But it's also very possible that I may have had uh, a little bit of a, a breakthrough in some of my focus and, and um, maybe I go on a little bit of a run. I don't know. But um, the point is that there's no reason why I or anybody else can't do it at a later age. It just takes a little bit more work. He won't talk himself up, and you've mentioned him by name a few times, but as Australia's media representative here, can you talk some more about your relationship with Andrew Getson and what he's done to get you here? So he is um, hes a tremendous instructor because of his ability to simplify it, and he has uh, helped get my swing on plane from uh, you know parallel, parallel to the ground. Obviously, I have a long swing, but rather than try to change that, from when, when it's halfway down, halfway through, you know, it's on a track and he helped me get there and, and develop and uh, refine my feel and touch and simplify. He doesn't cloud my head with a lot of things. And when, I, when he's out here with me, he's able to keep me on track right away if I make a few, few errors. And um, his guidance has been uh, invaluable, really, to get me back to uh, playing at the highest level because I was striking it very poorly when we started working together years ago. And I had a great performance at the 2016 Open Championship and uh, where I lost to Henrik Stenson. But um, he's really helped me get my ball striking back. And as I'm starting to uh, focus a little bit better, you're starting to see the results. But, that, but he has been getting my swing there for some time. Phil Mickelson after taking out the PGA Championship and just confirming the best-placed Australian after the four days of this uh, major. Jason Scrivener right here in Western Australia pockets a lazy $135,000. Hitting the text line, and don't forget you can text away. Let us know where you're listening from and text us 0487 736 736 or better still, give us a call if you've got an opinion. Love to open the lines to you, 13-12-55. This is from Frank of Yangibup. As an Eagles member, I'm still very disappointed in our efforts of yesterday. The fact is that Nick Nat led our tackle count shows our complete disinterest in the defensive facet of our game. To defend takes effort, and we are not mentally applying ourselves in any air in that area that requires no talent, just will to do what's hard. Yo cannot come back soon enough, but the rest of our mids need to stop watching the 2018 Grand Final and get hungry again. Pretty strong, strong stuff from Frank of Yanjibup. If you agree, give us a call, 13 12 55, or text 0487 736 736. Are you a disappointed Eagles fan after yesterday, or did you sort of go into that game thinking, well, the Giants are on a bit of a roll, they're a different team to what we saw over here in Perth against Fremantle about five weeks ago? Um, yes, they had a few players out. Toby Green, I'm not so sure that Jesse Hogan would have had a great day out. I think Tom Barris would have handled him okay. Um, so anyway, it'd be interesting to know if you do agree. Let us know on the text line. Also, just as some further news, the Freeman, the Carlton Football Club will appeal the rough conduct charge against Lockie Plowman. Plowman collided with an opponent when contesting the ball in the final minutes of the game. Carlton say uh, Brad Lloyd said after reviewing the footage, there's clearly sufficient grounds to contest the charge. The fabric of our game is what we teach from a young age to keep your eyes on the football when you enter a contest, and that is exactly what both players have done in this contest.
a time and day for the tribunal is still to be determined. And you would imagine that Nick Holman and the Gold Coast Suns would also be appealing that uh, suspension that Holman got for his chase down tackle of Mitch Duncan. We'll get a break away. Uh, don't forget, as I said, get in touch with us. Love to get your feedback on anything that happened in the world of sport over the weekend. 13 12 55 or 0487 736 736. Sporting Goss on SEN. Or an SEN Spirit 621. Stay safe, stay dry, and stay very much in control of your vehicles on the roads with your lights on. We'll get a breakaway, come back. We'll be chatting with Trent Cooper from the Fremantle Dockers AFLW. A new deal, and they had a big night last night. This is Sporting Goss. Sporting Goss on this Monday. Hope you're staying dry wherever you are. Make sure you safe on the roads. It was a very big weekend for the Fremantle Football Club. Saturday night, they got that last gasp win over the Sydney Swans. And last night, over at Crown, of course, it was a big night for the Fremantle AFLW lineup. They had their awards night. And Trent Cooper is their coach. He's been kind enough to join us on Sporting Goss. Big night, mate. That pulls a, rules a line through the season. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was perfect timing. Um, it was initially supposed to be two or three weeks ago, but we went into that short lockdown, so we had to change it. So it just got pushed back to a Sunday night, which wasn't ideal, but uh, the girls had a really good night. It was a good way to yeah, put that full stop on the end of that season yeah. and start looking forward ahead. Yeah, well done. It was also announced that you've got a contract extension for a couple of years, so unfinished business coops. Yeah, no, we've um, we had some success along the three years so far, but we haven't got to that point again, so... That's what's driving us. No, I really enjoyed my time so far and uh, the whole group is driven to take that next step. What do you have to do differently, mate? In the next two years on your contract extension, what are you aiming to do better to improve, one, your list, and two, your output? Yeah, definitely. The, the list is hard because you now we're recruiting from WA, but there is a fair bit of talent coming through. So we just have to keep you know, topping up. We've, we've actually got the fourth youngest list in the comp at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so we think there's a lot of growth within uh, that we can just keep building on, um, particularly now that we've got the feedback that we weren't quite good enough. Um, you know, last season, uh, well, the one before we went through undefeated, and you sort of think, oh, we'll keep everything the same and roll along. Uh, but now we've got the feedback that we weren't quite good enough, so we can change a few things up, change the way we, we move the ball and different things, and, uh, and hopefully that can help us take that next step. Since taking the reins as Fremantle's AFLW coach, um, what's improved? What's improved in your coaching and the output of your playing group? Yeah, the the, the, the group, that we've now got players who have been playing Oz kickball all the way through getting drafted. So Sarah Averia was the first one for us like that last year. And this draft batch coming through as well uh, are similar. So we're now getting that, that skill level is getting a lot higher. And they could literally train with the boys in a skill sense, uh, no problems at all. So that changes how you move the ball because before it was all safe up the line um, and you know, win the contest. But now uh, our sides can defend too well against that. So we have to, to coach better and how to move the ball to get around that. And that was probably one of the areas we come unstuck with a bit this year. Uh, so that'll be a major area that uh, yeah, I need to improve in my coaching and the players will be uh, yeah, they're more than happy to take on new challenges and try to do that themselves. You must be very pleased then that Sarah Veria received the best first-year player on the back of, as you said, coming through that sort of Auskick program and, and that's the future of the footy club in regards to your recruiting and she was uh, awarded last night. 
Yeah, she was. She was played out of position most of the year. She's a really good natural defender, and I think she'll end up being a very good midfielder. But it was hard to get her in the team early, but we had a, a spot in the forward line, so she'd never played there or trained there in her life, but we stuck her there and just let, let her go to work. And it was good for her just to get a, you know, a full season of games in. But then when we did throw her back occasionally when we needed to, she was outstanding, particularly in that game against Adelaide. So, yeah, we think we've got a really good you know, 10-, 12-year player there, and uh, we'll see the best, well, not the best of her, but more of her uh, this year. Coops, I know you don't want to uh, get involved in the politics of football, in particular the, the wages that they earn. Do the girls earn enough, and I'm not talking just about Fremantle, but do the girls earn enough for the commitment they make to their craft? No, they probably don't. Well, they definitely don't, um, but it's on the right trajectory. So next year, um, 60% of our list, will be on that base wage, which is now getting up to $20,000. Like, obviously can't live on that, um, but it's it's getting in the right path. So I think we're, we're all patient. They know they're building. They they do their life outside of footy, and they do that juggle extremely well. Um, but, yeah, it's where the men were back in the 80s. And, um, yeah, for the, for the girls, the young ones, I think that will happen for them. I'll get full time for the older ones. I don't think it will, but uh, just make the most of what we can uh, in that time. And uh, you don't hear too many complaints from them, that's for sure. No real shock about your fairest and best? No, it, was, uh, yeah, it wasn't like a night that we have got to build up to for a big <laughs> shock announcement. No. It's, uh, that's for sure. But uh, no, Kiara's just out. Like, yeah, you just, you, everyone sees the output that she puts out there and knows it, but what she puts in, she's the hardest working athlete mm. I've ever worked with or seen. Um, and, yeah, just gets – deserves – she hates accolades as well, but, uh, yeah, she shouldn't train so hard if she doesn't want them because she's going to keep getting them for as long as she plays. Yeah, very uh, she's much She's a so. jet, and everyone loves her. Very much so. Uh, some of your other award winners last night who um, who picked up uh, sort of acknowledgements yeah. through the night? So Steph Kane was amazing to come back from an ACL, uh, first year back from an ACL and uh, finish runner-up. That's – Pretty rare for anyone, um, particularly someone who's not a full-time athlete. So you know, we see that when the boys come back, they, they come back and they're okay for their first year back and then they hit their straps. But for Steph to come back and have her career best year was a credit to her. And Janelle Cuthbertson in really only a second year of footy coming over from tennis uh, to do what she did, be an All-Australian defender and play half the season with a broken rib as well was a, uh, yeah, a phenomenal effort from her. And... Yeah, I said I missed three games with the bruised rib once, so I couldn't look her in the eye for the look back after the year. But um, she's a tough, tough ombre, that's for sure, and yeah, totally deserved her award. And Anne Stannett was the best club person uh, voted by the whole the whole club. And um, yeah, she's another one who's come across from soccer and just does everything she possibly can to make the club and the team a better place. So uh, thoroughly deserving of her award. 100%. Now, where do you go now in regards to uh, how long they have off? How many get released back into the uh, Waffle uh, Women's Competition, of course, and that's been certainly been going for a while now. But how long they all have off and when do they get back uh, for pre-season? Yeah, so we, we've got about, um, I think we've got 27 on the list now, and so 17 of them are playing Waffle W. We sort of manage their loads, but we like the fact that they go back and can experiment a bit, be coached by different people. They'll learn different things. So, but we quite like the system where they get farmed out to different um, to different teams and, and do that play against each other. So, a really good game uh, yesterday where a few of our players were against each other. So, they'll do that, and their season's all over by July three. So, they can have a little freshen up then. 
We haven't got the exact dates of our pre-season, but we think it'll be mid-September uh, for an early December start. So that's what we're sort of planning on. As soon as we get those dates, we'll be uh, up and going. And the sign and trade period it has been pushed back, and that'll start uh, next Monday. We start that, that period as well. So I don't think we'll be major players in that. We want to maintain the group we've got together. And um, if anyone does want to fly west and have a crack we'll be more than happy to entertain those thoughts but at the moment i think it'll be a, a pretty similar list for the what what would we call it aflw6 or the 2022 2021 22 season yeah it's a it's a, it's an interesting time that the date changes and the season changes as well hey congratulations mate uh one on the ex- con- contract extension and again, albeit you didn't get the big bickies, it was certainly a, a year to get excited about for Fremantle fans. I know the playing group probably disappointed. But from uh, from those disappointments, success can come and we look forward to seeing what they can do in the next year. Appreciate your time. All right, thanks, guys. Good on you. There's Trent Cooper, the coach of Fremantle's AFLW team. They had their big night last night, their gala night, their awards night. And no real shock, Kiara Bauer is taking home the best and fairest for the third great year. This is the Sporting Goss. Thanks for your feedback, 13 12 55 or 0487 736 Still plenty of rain around the Perth metropolitan area and will be for some time. And also down through the southwest if you're listening on SEN Spirit 621. Hello and thank you for listening to us. Mike, Matt is in Valdiva, should I say. I couldn't agree more with the earlier texter. The Eagles midfield simply doesn't want to work hard enough. It was embarrassing the ease in which some Giants players walked out of the middle. Eagles should have demolished that Giants team. So there's a lot of uh, negative feedback and angry Eagles fans after that. Do you agree? 0487 736 736 13 12 Coming up after the 10.30 news, we'll be chatting golf. Brody Martin picked up the Cottesloe Open. He's a young man who's going places. He's a, a new dad. He's uh, He's got to work to make a living, but he... Uh, Took on Brett Rumford, a six-time winner of the European on the European Tour, and beat him yesterday in tricky conditions. And his beautiful wife was one of the saving savers of the day for uh, Brody Martin. That story is on the way. Also, still to come, we'll be chatting with Sam Fisher, the Sandover medalist from last year, Swan Districts. He played in the state game last week. He's put his name in for the mid-season draft. We'll ask him why Jimmy Smith. NRL Nation, of course, and SE in Sydney will also join us. And Matt Ken, an SBS cycling commentator. We'll hear more from Adam Simpson, Elliot Yo, Justin Longmuir, Brett Ratton, David Teague. We'll also have Gary and Tim and Kane talk about the Holman suspension. That is the Holman suspension that uh, many believe will get thrown out very quickly. The MRO giving him a couple of weeks for his tackle on Mitch Duncan, who did get concussed from the tackle, but it certainly wasn't the fault of the tackler. Uh, NBA scores, of course, we're into the finals now and it is currently the Jazz 36 over the Memphis Grizzlies 27 and that is mid-stages. Make that 38-32 now, midway through the second. Joe Ingles, of course, playing for the Utah Jazz and he's got the three points after being on court for 12 minutes of playing time. The other game, we've already had uh, a couple of results have come through and of course the Phoenix Suns and the LA Lakers, that was game one of that. It was the Phoenix Suns 99, the Lakers 90. The 76ers 125 beat Washington 118. 
Utah and Memphis we've spoken about as well. And the other games, of course, from over the weekend, 109 Milwaukee, 107 Miami, 113 Dallas, 103 the Clippers, 104 Brooklyn, 93 Boston, and Trailblazers, 123 over the Denver Nuggets, who are 109. And there is one other game that's just been completed this morning. Atlanta, in a very close one, right through, beat the Knicks 107 to 105. We'll keep you posted with any scores. If you want to know anything else, get in touch with us. As I said, anytime you like, 0487 736 736 or 1312-55. Keep your texts coming. If you are happy with your Fremantle Dockers or disappointed with your West Coast Eagles, let us know. Give us your mood. We're here right until midday on this wet and wintry Monday morning. This is the Sporting Goss. Nice work, April Austin, on this Monday morning. Turn your lights on if you're driving your car and just back off that car in front of you. The Suns are challenging the two-game suspension handed down to Nick Holman for that dangerous tackle. Carlton, as I mentioned, are challenging the two-game suspension received by Lockie Plowman. Uh, and Richmond are certainly out to give a striking ban given to Marlon Pickett. So plenty going on in regards to the tribunal. Going to be a very, very busy place. Adam Simpson spoke post-match after yesterday's win against the GWS Giants, and yeah, he was disappointed. He was happy with some of the aspects, but clearly not happy to uh, see the team get beaten in a close contest for the best part, but they got overrun in the end by 16 points. Oh, look, it was a good battle. Yeah, it felt almost like a final, really, with the, um, the you know, ebbs and flows. So we had our opportunities. They had probably more. And, um, you know, got obviously that last quarter goal for goal, and then they took their opportunities late. But overall, I think the numbers would suggest that they were a better side. So proud of the fact that we played with plenty of spirit and energy and we hung in there. But I think overall they probably played the better footy. How big of a shame is it to not give Shannon Hearn the, the perfect memory on that day? Oh, yeah. yeah, of course, those milestones are, are you know, are very important that you you play well um, and hopefully you win, but we didn't today, so I'm sure they're hurting. Which numbers in particular, Adam? Like, you know, they had 100 more disposals and almost doubling tackles. Yeah, oh, look, you know, sometimes you concede more tackles, more uncontested possession, but the style of plays where you want it. Um, we don't want to have 30 less tackles. Um, efficiency of tackles is what we rate and we've been poor at that. So that was disappointing. Um, but I, I didn't think we shied away from it. So I thought, like I said, there was ebbs and flows. But in the end, I mean, their mids numbers looked healthy, probably a little bit healthier than ours. But I don't want to blame our mids either. So I think had opportunities last quarter and we didn't take it. And we, uh, we learned from it, got to grow, got to get better. But, um, yeah, we're not going to completely dismiss this as a disaster. Um, we think we can still take some positives from it. Was it just about not taking your opportunities in that final term? Because it had been sort of such a roller coaster game up until three-quarter time, but then they were able to... Yeah, probably. probably. Um, we looked very efficient in the first half. So, you know, we'd love to have that efficiency and get more supply. Uh, and in the end, it was about the contest, you know, really. So... Um, you know, making the most of not the first one, but the second, the third, the fourth. So we felt that um, we were up for it, but when the, when it really mattered, you know, we um, we come second. Questions will probably be asked yet again. The recurring theme about the Eagles on the road: Are they fair after this or not? <laughs> yeah, oh, pe- people look at it obviously like that, and that's and no worries. If you don't win on the road, you can be critical, go for your life. It doesn't really change what we do. Um, 
and you know, it doesn't, doesn't worry me in the fact you think that. It's just it's reality. So we need to own it. it um, that's that's the result today, and we it was the third loss we've had on the road this year. Is that something you discussed before the game about you know making? Sorry, it's the fourth. To, yeah, make a statement to actually put that aside. Or any of that talk? Nah, nah. <laughs> we just want to win. Doesn't matter where. Yeah, yeah. Yep. No, I'm sure that's going to be written about. I think most people's away records not as good as their home record, but you know that's we accepted. Yep. No excuses. It was a big weekend at the Cottesloe Golf Club, of course. The Cottesloe Open was on in the Adidas Pro-Am Series and I was fortunate enough to be at the pre-tournament event on Friday night, which I loved being there with all the past winners, a lot of my close friends who are on the tour, of course, who play the seniors and also play locally and around Australia. And one young man who has stolen the show over the weekend is Brody Martin. He was crowned the winner of the Cottesloe Open after a wonderful weekend, and he joins us on Sporting Goss. Congratulations, mate. You must be absolutely on cloud nine. Thanks, Tim. Yeah, no, it was a good weekend, and... Um yeah, got a bit lucky with the weather, I think. It was certainly good, looking a little bit dodgy there for a while. Um, interesting enough, uh, it was a uh, look. It's a tough course at the best of times. Over the two days, I know you won the tournament, so it must have played okay. How difficult was it? And did the wind get up? And uh, we know that it's an uphill, down dale type of course at times. How difficult was it? Um, I got first of all, I got lucky just with the draw. I played Saturday morning, which um, if you're lucky enough to live on the coast, Saturday morning was actually a wonderful morning. <laughs> um, barely any wind. Not a, not a drop of rain, and then the, it kind of started to come in, you know, late afternoon on the Saturday. So it was good to get in dry first day. Then yesterday we only got a bit of rain on our second hole, and then it basically started to come in on the 16th. So we got obviously a fairly big patch of the golf course out the way um, with no rain, um, about 20k winds. But no, it, it was quite steady most of the day, and then we uh, rushed along um, with some lightning potentially coming um, with about three holes to go. So we're basically starting to run a little bit. You played alongside yesterday in the final group alongside, you know, Brett Rumford, who we know, I think he's won six times on the European Tour and he's he's won a couple of jackets there at the Cottesloe Open, so he knows the course well, he knows the conditions well. What was that like? Was that a huge buzz for you? And um, obviously there's a lot of people expecting Brett Rumford to probably go on and win the tournament, but you you upset the apple cart there. You must be very proud of your achievement. Yeah, no, it was. Uh, I was actually quite excited. I've known Brett for a little while now and I haven't, um, I've actually never been able to play golf with him or... Um, get around to anything like that. So I was really, really looking forward to it. My wife actually works with Brett, so she was kind of a bit excited for Wembley Golf Course as well to, um, you know, get us both paired together in the same group. And, yeah, I, I, like I said, just someone I would like to spend more time with and play more golf with and, and just sort of follow and learn from. And, yeah, look, it's, it's always good when you're playing with better players. It makes you play a little bit better, I think, as well. It keeps you focused. And, um, look, he's a, a brilliant guy and, yeah, lucky that I um, could just get on him, get on him early, pretty much, because he, um, yeah, we don't know what he's capable of when he when he gets going. So, um, no, it was good fun. You had finished third at the WA Open at Royal Freo last year. You won the I think Campbelltown Golf uh, Club Pro Am as well a couple of years ago. Where does this sit in the world of of Brody Martin's career? Um, look, it's it's still a funny thing with with COVID around. Um, I would love to be playing golf more. Um, you know, around Australia, if not potentially the world. And I've got a really young family. I've got an eight-month little girl, and my wife's also a golf player out at Wembley. So 
you know, we, we've just got to try and settle things back at home. Um, look, I would love to, yeah, love to play more golf. Unfortunately, finances come first, just like most people. And, um, yeah, look, it's something I've got to look forward to. Still practice, still get out and play. And, you know, hopefully I might get an opportunity to play a similar event, like I did say, that does have a, a life-changing experience at the end of it. But, um, yeah, look, I'll, I'll keep at it. I'm still fairly young, so we'll, um, we'll see what happens in the future. Chatting with Brody Martin, who took out the Cottesloe Golf Club's Cottesloe Open in the Adidas Pro-Am series. And, and you mentioned your wife. Just tell us a bit about how she came to – I might put some mayonnaise on this if I can, Brody. Save the day uh, late in the round. What did she do in regards to your clubs? Um, so basically, as we, or we all may know, you're only really allowed one caddy and she'd previously touched my clubs um, prior prior to the day, uh, so prior in the round. and. So I, uh, the rain started to come in sideways. So unfortunately, pushing a buggy isn't going to keep my clubs too dry if I've got one umbrella and nothing covering my clubs. So I basically ditched the buggy and shout out to my wife to come and carry the clubs for the last two holes, which unfortunately the last hole is probably the hilliest one and she's got to carry a 20-kilo bag up a hill with only being your sort of five foot four. It's not convenient. 100% it is not. Um, nerves? Did nerves get you at any stage late? Um, I, I think I was kind of distracted by the weather and then trying to rush. So it was more like a Wednesday afternoon at Wanneroo Golf Course, to be honest <laughs> with you. But um, look, it, um, yeah, I, I could have taken a little bit more time and, and thought about it a little bit more. Um, you know, if I, I probably would have thought about it, you know, if let's say it didn't end up the way it did and had to have a playoff or, or whatever the situation would have been, I probably would have, you know, sat back over, over a beer and gone, look, you know, I probably should have taken more time. But in that sort of situation, um, Look, yeah, I was just happy to get in. I know the other boys were the same too. And if they just want to kind of finish the golf tournament and I'm kind of taking my time, it's something that I'm, I kind of just want to fall in line with what everyone else is doing. So, um, look, I'm, I'm happy to play very fast golf and um, obviously had a lot of fun. Uh, may I mention that Jason Norris, who you, I don't know whether you, there is a leaderboard or anywhere near or anyone told you where you stood, but it's interesting that Jason Norris uh, was around the mark as well. And I mean, he won the Open back in 2000. He was at the function that I was at on Friday night. So 21 years apart, and he was in contention briefly. Yeah, no, Jason's one of my really, really, really good friends in Paul Duffy. He actually caddied for Jason. So I, I heard about that the night before. And, um, my wife came up to me during the round going, oh, you know, Paul, Paul's kind of helping Jace, you know, trying to catch him. And, and yeah, you know, I, I could see on the scoreboard that he was, um, I think, five under or, se- or seven under total with, with one to play. And he, I'm not too sure how he made bogey at the last or whether it was a score, you know, punched him wrong or whatever mm. it may have been. Um, but no, he's, yeah, just an incredible person. And, um, you know, he's, he's won a European Tour event and someone that I've kind of followed fairly closely having, you know, friends involved with him too. Um, but look, we're all golfers. We we all share the same dreams. We all you know try and win golf tournaments and try and do it all together. So, yeah, no doubt. Brody Martin is our guest on Sporting Goss. And uh, for those who don't know, well, you, no one would know. But I bought a putter from Golf Box over there in Osborne Park, and Brody was uh, provided me with great customer service. And I've never putted better, Brodes. I've never putted better, great man. It's um, no, you're a lucky man getting a custom ping putter. And hey, the only thing I can recommend is. Try and stand around the other side and right hand to the left handed. <laughs> Where to now? Is the wife going to force you to play Wembley? Um, yeah, so fortunately enough, my wife is holding a pro am out at Wembley on Sunday the 30th. Um, so I'll play that on invite and then I will 
head down south to the Southwest Open the weekend after, and that'll be basically it until pretty much the WA Open or WAPJ or something pretty much locally for, for the meantime. Um, but we'll see what happens. Congratulations, mate. It is a very big tournament as you look at the honour board of, a, of some of the players. And as I mentioned, there was a lot of big-name golfers, both locally and interstate, who have played in that tournament, won that tournament. Um, even, I mean, on the weekend, Peter O'Malley was there. Glenn Joyner was there locally. Wayne Smith, Brett Rumford, Terry Gale, Michael Long, who we now is now going on to the European Seniors Tour. So many others were there, mate, and you're now in that club, and they can never take that jacket off you. It's yours to keep, and you can attend the sponsors' function each time on the Friday night. It's going to be a, a, a big time for you. Congratulations, and may there be many more wins, and have a good day at Golf Box over there in Aussie Park. Thank you. Back to work it is. Good on you, mate. There it is there. It is Brody Martin who won the Cottesloe Open. This is Sporting Goss. All things covered in the world of sport. Well done to the young man at the Cottesloe Golf Club and well done to everyone at the Cottesloe Golf Club over the last few days and the wonderful sponsors because Grassroots Golf relies on wonderful corporate support and it had plenty of them there. And a gentleman by the name of... Peters picked up the hole-in-one in the Pro-Am um, on Friday. And I mentioned to Gilly and this morning on Gilly and Goss that Spider Burton and Phil Matera joined up to win the Pro-Am as well with a couple of their playing partners. So the tall and the short of it play a fair bit of golf and they live right on the golf course. NBA scores, and I mentioned before that the Philadelphia 76ers won game one against the Washington Wizards, 125-118. to a lot of our interest, of course, is in the performance of Ben Simmons. He only scored the six points, but he did have 15 rebounds and 15 assists as well. Plenty going on there. We'll get a breakaway. We'll come back. We'll hear from Elliot Yo post-match after he played in the Waffle for the Waffle Eagles on the weekend against East Perth. The Royals having their first win for the season and still the Eagles Waffle team chasing their first four premiership points. This is Sporting Goss. Thanks for your company. We're here every Monday to Thursday between 10 and 12. And you can always get in touch with us here at the radio station on 13 12 55 or 0487 736 736. Join in the conversation. Elliot Yo had his first game of footy in almost a year. He played, of course, for the West Coast Eagles waffle team against East Perth. Coming off a, about a year out with osteitis pubis. So this is courtesy of the West Coast Eagles media department. Yeah, it was good fun. Um, you know, I don't play footy to run around the, the oval and follow the white line. I play it, you know, obviously play football to, to get out there and have fun and enjoy it. So it was good to get back out there and, um, you know, I play with a lot of the Waffle boys as well. Um, you know, I'm trying to help them out as much as I can and just get back to enjoying footy and loving it. So what were the limitations out there, mate? It was obviously a minutes cap. I saw you playing loose man back in defence for a little bit. Talk us through what some of the game plan was behind all those moves. Yeah, it was all over the shop, really. Um, yeah, I mean... I just kind of did whatever Pratty told me to do, really, in the end. So, yeah, look, played a variety of roles, and that was pretty good in the end, and um, it was good to get back into footy. It was tough trying to read the play sometimes, being you know, almost 12 months out of the game. It was, it was a little bit difficult, but, um, yeah, had a bit of fun as well at the same point in time, and that's all that matters. It must be amazing relief, Yoey, because the whole build has been four steps forward, one step back. The progress now to finally be at a point where there is no pain, and then the first game, it just must be so relieving. It is, yeah. It's it's good to get to this point now, and then continue to build. And um, you know, uh, there's 
throughout my program I've had stepping stones and it's good to get to this block now where I'm able to you know at least play football and, and get through so the biggest test now will be how I pull up and um, you know how I guess the volume impacts you know that sort of area and we'll have to wait and see so um, but it's an exciting spot to be in. Elliot Yo, after the game on the weekend, will he be, has he done enough? And you'll probably look at the Eagles team and say, well, they need a tackling machine that may get him back in the lineup when they take on Essendon. But we'll find out more a little later. Justin Longmuir spoke post-game after their nail-biting win over the Sydney Swans. Here's the Frio coach. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, I thought we really turned up the heat in the, in the second half, um, that third quarter in particular. Um, asked our players to uh, own the ball a little bit more in the contest in particular and um, the pressure we put on them inside our front half just created a lot of opportunities so yeah I'm really proud of the group. To have your captain who's had issues with goal kicking, kick the winning goal, want the ball in his hands in a clearance situation and, and just do what he has to do to win you the game, how, how important is that for him with the goals and for you as a team? Oh, I'm not sure, time will tell. But one thing I know is he always stands up for us in big moments. He always wants the ball in, in his hands and he always does the right thing when the game's on the line. So um, it doesn't surprise me um, that he wanted, wanted it in his hands and was in the right spot. Um, yeah, I thought he was enormous. He's been a really good player this year. I just think the goal-kicking thing has, has uh, blurred his output and um, I think that's unfair because his output uh, around the ground, his output inside 50 to be able to get those shots on goals being first class. Um, yeah, so tonight was, yeah, no exception. 13 clearances, it's a massive F in, in those conditions where the clearances are going to be important. Yep. Um, I thought he was an important cog in our midfield that got on top, especially in that third quarter and gave our field forwards a really good look. It gave us field position. Um, yeah, and it got us back into the game and then put us in a really good position at um, three-quarter time. And then, you know, they, they challenged us in the last quarter and I was really proud of the group to, uh, A, hit the front and then finish the game off. How good was it to see Josh Tracy back himself in a big moment after what would have been a tough night up until that point? Tough night, um, but having said that, he, he would have got a lot of confidence out of some really important contests that he gave us. Uh, had to go back with the flight of the ball a couple of times and, and half contests, which gave our smalls a chance. And... Yeah, he missed one in the first quarter, which would have been a good one to get his get his game off, uh, his night off and going. And um, yeah, it was, you know, it was a great kick in the last quarter. And he's a great kick of the footy, so it didn't surprise me that it went through. Um, but yeah, he really stood up in that moment. The battle between Franklin and Logue, I know a lot of fans just love watching it. What was it like as you as a coach? To that, <laughs> that unfolding with Franklin with six goals. Well, I loved well. parts of it. I loved the parts <laughs> there where Griff got him. Um, yeah, Griff had. I think he had. Um, 11 possession gains, um, 13 possession gains, and he's playing on one of the best um, forwards of the generation. So um, I thought early on he gave him a little bit too much space to, to hit up on him, and he was just relied on his speed to close down those uh, marks, which um, I think he adjusted to. And then he lost some critical contests, especially in that last quarter where you know Buddy made him pay. So it was a, it was a great tussle. Um, we were thinking about changing the matchup, but um, a for Griff's development, it was it was great for him to play on him, and I thought, um, you know, he's winning enough big moments himself. So yeah, it was it was just it was a great matchup, and you know, a key part of the game. 
Good relief for one of the good blokes of footy, Justin Longmuir. Good to hear him up and about. Coming up after the 11 o'clock news with April Austin, Sam Fisher will join us from the Swan District Football Club. He's nominated for the mid-season draft. We'll talk NRL with Jimmy Smith, the death of a legend at the weekend from the Sport of Rugby League. Matt Keenan will also join us. We're talking about SBS and the Giro d'Italia. Stay in touch with us. We'd love to get your feedback on anything that's discussed on Sporting Goss. Do that by 0487 736 736 or give us a call on the open line, 1312 55. Welcome back to Sporting Goss on a wet and wild Monday. It was pretty ordinary conditions at various times too on the weekend for WAFL football. Subiaco continued on their winning way. They beat Swan Districts, but that was no fault of the hard-working Sam Fisher, who joins us from the Black and Whites, who uh, got the top disposals, 21 disposals on the weekend. Uh, you're in the game, Sam. Appreciate your time. It was a, it was a loss that uh, certainly could have uh, been a four-premiership point win if you'd just done the right things late. Yeah, yeah. It was a pretty disappointing effort, I think, from um, our perspective. Um, sort of our... our competitiveness and effort in the first half where he wasn't there and um, obviously showed that spirit, that fighting like black duck spirit in the second half which got us back in the game but um, I think myself personally and also a number of a number of boys in the team just sort of didn't have that effort that was required in the first quarter and um, it ended up costing us the game but um, yeah, sort of two close encounters with West Perth and Subiaco um, if they had gone our way sort of um, late in the game then our spot on the table could be completely different, which is obviously disappointing from our perspective. No doubt. Uh, can I just take you back a couple of weeks? You played in the state game, of course, for Western Australia against South Australia. Didn't get the result there. What was that experience like representing Western Australia? Oh, it was unbelievable. Um, obviously, so many good players in that team. Um, and then obviously also in the South Australian side, they were, they were a classy outfit. But um, yeah, just being able to go away for a weekend with um, so many big names of the waffle competition, it was unreal. Um, and I think we all bonded together really well and um, had a good Saturday night afterwards, which is always good. Um, and obviously not getting a result um, wasn't great for us, but I think obviously as it was pretty well highlighted, there was 18 debutants or something like that. Mm. Um, so I think it was just a great experience to get away for a weekend and sort of bond with a lot of other blokes in the competition and we can obviously grow on that going in, going into the future, the future state games. Was that margin indicative of the game or did it just get away from you at various stages? Did you think that the scoreline probably wasn't a true indication of how the two teams were matched? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, yeah, we sort of just struggled to defend their sort of uncontested marks. I think they had 140 uncontested marks, um, which, I mean... Is a, is a ridiculous number. I think um, that might have come down to um, how we defend as a team. But there was a stage in the third quarter where we sort of had the momentum and I think we were down by probably about 10 points. Um, and then they kicked the goal and then got a, a holding the ball out of the centre bounce and kicked another goal. And then from there, it was just sort of hard to wrestle back momentum. Um, but yeah, I think uh, they, were, they were a classy outfit with all respect to South Australia, but I don't think it was indicative of... Um, of the effort we put in that day. And uh, may I ask, were you aware of whether there are any AFL scouts uh, at the ground or uh, does it enhance the chances of Sam Fisher for the mid-season draft, which you have nominated for uh, for next month? Yeah, I have nominated for it and um, I'm sure there would have been multiple scouts there. Obviously, there was a lot of talent running around um, on Adelaide Oval that day. Um, yeah, personally, I'm not too sure. I haven't 
talk to too many clubs at the minute. Um, I don't think my performance in that game would have um, enhanced my chances, unfortunately. Would have liked to have played a bit better, but um, it was a great experience nonetheless and something that I'll tre- cherish in the, in the future. So you're nominated for it. Do you nominate for the mid-season draft because you think, oh, well, it's just a throw at the stumps and you never know, and you've been on that Sydney list, of course. You know what it's like to fit into an AFL group. You've won a Sandover medal since. You've played state footy since. You're still getting plenty of the ball, and you're well-respected here in the WAFL competition. have Have you put your name up just in the hope, or have you put your name up because there is some murmurs behind the scenes that you never know uh, there might be a club that genuinely is keen on, on your services? Yeah, as I, as I said, I haven't had um, had too much interest at the minute, um, but I think, yeah, just obviously keep nominating for it and who knows what can happen. Um, and I think in this sort of, in the modern sort of structure of the AFL, I don't think clubs give too much away um, about what they're planning to do in the future. So I guess, yeah, you've got to give yourself every opportunity, I suppose, because if you don't nominate, then there's absolutely no chance you can get picked up. So, um, yeah, it was always in my mind to nominate. And then whatever happens, happens. If if it doesn't happen um, this year, then obviously I think there's still we're still building something special at Swan Districts. And mm. if we can start to sort of tighten things up when, when games are close and we can get results going our way, That'll set, it, that'll set us up for a good back half of the year. And obviously the next two games against East Frail and Peel Thunder, um, I think we're all three and three on the ladder. So these two games are going to be extremely important for yeah. us to build into a finals campaign. 100% they are. They're all those line ball games. And that's why, and you don't want to harp too much about it, but that maybe that game against Subiaco uh, can inspire you blokes to know that those arm wrestle games are the ones that you've got to get to be on the right side of the ledger. And that starts with East Romano this week down... At, I think you're playing down at East Romantle Oval, a new, new Choice uh, Stadium, New Choice Oval, which is interesting because you've been down there before and yourself and Jesse Turner got a lot of the footy there last year where you had a win over East Romantle. But I suspect East Romantle have improved a lot since last year. Yeah, definitely. They they look like a pretty classy outfit. Um, obviously, inclusion of John O'Mar, she's been in, in great form, kicked seven goals the other week um, and played against him in the VFL and he was good that day as well. So... Hopefully we can sort of negate his influence on the game, and then um, obviously other other blokes that um, are key drivers to them. Hopefully we can negate that, and um, yeah, from our point of view, if things get tight, hopefully we can sort of grow from the experiences we've had against West Perth and Subiaco, and um, sort of yeah, get our structures right in those tight moments in the game. It might be one or two moments that define it. Hopefully we can sort of tighten that up and get a result to go our way. Sam Fisher, the Sandover medalist from Swan Districts, is online. Uh, Sam, uh, just in regards to Lewis Jetta being at the footy club at Swan Districts, of course, uh, has got a wonderful uh, time uh, as a West Coast Eagles and the Sydney Swans player. What does he bring to the footy club at Swans? Does he bring a, I mean, he's a, a bit of a comical type of guy. He's a fun guy to have around the footy club. Are you, you're learning off him and uh, you have much to do with uh, Jets? Yeah, definitely. He's been He's been unreal for the group, I think. Just when, especially moments on the weekend, um, that are fresh in my mind. Just when things are sort of starting to, well, the momentum's going against us, and just his sort of experience to calm down um, the younger, the younger demographic of our group. I think that's one of his his best qualities. Um, just his ability to be able to keep calm in the, in the situation. Um, obviously, he's played in in big games. Obviously, I think two AFL grand finals, 
Um, so we just got that wealth of, wealth of experience and understanding that I think games can get away from you if you do sort of um, stress about what's happening in them. Um, and I think your just ability to be able to compose players and just that experience he brings into our side, um, it's been amazing. And obviously, he's been able to kick a couple of good goals as well. Last one for you. So let's just take you back. Mid-season draft in a couple of weeks' time or what it is, just over... Yeah, in fact, it's just over a week's time. In simple terms, are you expecting to get picked up or are you you've really not even given it a second thought now that your name's on the piece of paper? Oh, yeah, I'm not expecting too much, to be honest. If it happens, it happens. Um, and if it doesn't, it doesn't. But I think at the minute, my my sole sort of purpose at the moment in football is to play as well as I can for the Swan Districts and obviously keep trying to get that finals berth that they haven't been able to do for a while. So I think obviously everyone at the club's invested in that. Um, and I think if we can do that as a team, you hear it a lot, it's a cliche, but um, I think if you have team success, individuals get success off the back of it. So um, if we can help, if I can help personally help the Swan District keep winning and going up the table and getting team success in that, in that perspective, then I think that'll help my chances. But no, I haven't really thought about too much. Obviously, if you keep playing good football, then hopefully that um, transfers into to individual individual success. Yeah, but nice my sole purpose at the minute is to be able to help the Swan Districts be as good as we can. Good attitude, mate. Nice work by you. What's work for Sam Fisher nowadays? What are you doing over here in WA for work and making a dollar? Um, I'm currently studying full-time at uni. I'm in my last year of engineering, um, and I'm doing a little internship two days a week just to get a bit of extra money on the side. So, yeah, it's a pretty, pretty nice setup. obviously, close to the beach. It's pretty cruisy. Um, <laughs> but, no, nah, it's going well. Good on you, mate. Well, you're a big part of the WAFL, and congratulations on your state game. What well on again, on everything you've done so far since coming across to WA. And you just never know. We like to, we look forward to seeing the name Sam Fisher pop up somewhere else and never know and receive higher honours again. Thanks for joining us on Sporting Goss, and we'll chat again soon. Yes, and good, yes. luck, good luck against Thanks, East Romano. Yeah, good on you, mate. There See is right. Sam Bye. Fisher from the Swan Districts Football Club. This is Sporting Goss, back with plenty more on this Monday. Stay safe, stay dry, and drive carefully on our road. Before we do take a break, I'll tell you what's coming up. We're going to hear from Matthew Pavlich right now. Uh, Pav, he spoke on Gillian Goss as he does each and every Monday morning just out of the 7 o'clock news. And Pav had a fair bit to say this morning in regards to the West Coast Eagles and where they're at after their loss against the GWS Giants. Here is the former Fremantle Dockers captain and, of course, he part of the Fox Footy and Channel 9 presenter, Matthew Pavlich, but also part of our SENWA team. Here he is from Gillian Goss this morning. I mean, we've talked about this a few times, uh, about them going on the road and not, not winning. Um, they, they did Hawthorne a couple of weeks ago, but Hawthorne, we know, are struggling in, in a re- rebuilding phase and, and down the bottom of the ladder. So if you discount that, they haven't been able to get it done on the road. Home, homegrown, uh, home ground heroes, and, and they can't get it done uh, across when they travel. It's a bit like the Australian cricket team, really. They're, they're very good on their home soil here, yep. here at Optus Stadium. And yet when they go overseas, um, they just find a way to lose, frankly. They're, they're not actually being able, being able to play their brand for long enough and uh, and get it done. They they were good at stages yesterday against the Giants. The Giants are undermanned. Yes, we know West Coast have got a few injuries as, as well. But you could hear Adam Simpson in that press conference He's disappointed because that game was there to be won. That game was there to be won. Um, and frankly, they didn't stand up at those key moments. Dom Sheed said I had a brain fade late in the game, which gave away the free kicking, then gave away the 50 metres, which 
you know, just sort of smacked of what was happening throughout the game. They just weren't able to handle the big moments with the um, the composure and and desire they needed to win that game of footy. So it's a costly game because you know that could have propelled them into the top four. It keeps them in the bottom half of the eight, and they'll come back here and beat Essendon. <laughs> we know they'll come back here and beat Essendon. The real task will be: can they go the following week to the MCG or Marvel Stadium? And beat Carlton. Um, it's it's this on again, off again inconsistency, which would be frustrating yep. West Coast fans. Stephen on our Twitter said Liam Ryan was obviously not ready and should have had another week off. Explosive player, but he was a bit of a fizzle. Uh, should have left Langdon in. Well, I saw Zach Langdon play in the Waffle Eagles on Saturday, and Zach Langdon shouldn't have been in the team. Yeah, look, I don't think Liam Ryan. Um, he should have played. He he was past fit to play. He was ready. Um, he was a byproduct of what was happening up the field. Um, and Liam um, is probably one of those guys that has a bit of inconsistency at times through his game. He plays half forward. He's reliant upon what happens up the field, like all the forwards are. So, and they did. They didn't. They didn't build the ball as they would normally to their forward half uh, and execute properly. So, some things to, and that's a really interesting point for for the leaders of West Coast, the players, but also uh, for the coaches. Do they focus on what do we have to do when we travel again? Or do they focus on what's right in front of their eyes and winning against Essendon? Now, mm-hmm. externally, they'll say, oh, it's just we're worrying about Essendon. We're worrying about getting yep. ourselves right. And, but I wonder if internally they're actually huddling up and just having a chat. What are we, what's going on on the road? I wonder what we have to get right. What's the thing we have to fix? But surely a club like West Coast would have, and Fremantle would work out what the travelling psyche is. It's, it's not the game as such. Surely it's not the game. It's happening... The pre, it must be a, is it a pre-game thing? Do they go too early? I oh, look. I, <laughs> I think every interstate team has been through this conversation. Mm. Why do we have to change our warm-up? What's what are we yeah. having for breakfast? Do we do do our walk a bit <laughs> earlier? <laughs> Who's having a massage? Yeah. What time are we jumping in the ice baths? I mean, all of that's irrelevant, frankly. Like it, it honestly doesn't make too much of a difference. The system um, doesn't make a difference. It's about the players turning up individually in a, in a mindset and a mind frame. And the leader's really driving this internally and saying, guys, it doesn't matter where we play. Um, you know, we, we play our brand of football. And right now, their system and their brand out here at Optus Stadium is much superior to what they play anywhere else in the country. So it's that, it's that psyche and that switch of, no, no, we're not standing for this anymore. You, we have to deliver. Jimmy Smith is part of the NRL Nation commentary team, Rugby League at its finest. He also hosts his own show on SEN in Sydney. And he joins us uh, often here to talk about the uh, situation with Rugby League. And we start with a a bit of a sad note. Of course, the the passing of Bozo Fulton, of course. Bobby Fulton, one of the greats, one of the immortals of the game. Jimmy, uh, the the sport has been touched with great sadness over the last 48 hours. Uh Incredible, Timmy, yeah. Uh, and, and I think it took a lot of people by surprise. I think Bob, very private man, kept um, the level of um, how unwell he was to himself and family and um, very close friends. So I think that was one of the, the overwhelming thing. I heard it on, on Sunday morning and mm. thought, wow, I just didn't expect that. Um, there had been rumours around his health previously, but, you know, an iconic figure, an iconic figure, literally. I mean, I... I, I I don't think there's a Manly fan that would, would be able to say that their club would not look like it looks today um, and have had all the success that it's had basically since Bob Fulton joined the club if it wasn't for that man. So, uh, um, but, but, but beyond that, you know, the things that he did for New South Wales and, and especially the things he did for Australia as a player and then as a coach, 
I think, uh, are the things that separate him. This, you know, I, I don't know from your point of view with the AFL and, and you know, whether the, the, the greatest of players make the greatest of coaches. Traditionally, in league, that hasn't necessarily been the case. Um, Bob Fulton was that exception. No, 100% they don't. Uh, a lot of the, the absolute top end, I mean, they've all been talented in their own right. They've all played in premierships. But if you're talking about the elite of the elite, possibly not. You might be able to pinpoint one or two. And it was an emotional day for the Sea Eagles fans, but they got the job done yesterday. And, and that, uh, I suppose, was a part of that emotion around the, the, around the footy club. And he would have been very, very proud. The first thing about it, you think, is, well, these young kids, you know, I'm... I'm turning 50 this year. I didn't ever see Bob Fulton play, mm. right? I've mm. seen the highlights, but I believe I believe that he was the great player that, that he was acknowledged as. So you think of the kids today and you think, well, what's their connection? What's their connection to Bob Fulton? And then you see a guy like Josh Schuster, who's 20 years of age and is now one of the key players in this Manly side. Well, he's only at Manly because of Bob Fulton. Mm. So uh, that gives you a real insight into the you know, the, the dealings on a day-to-day basis and the passion that he had for the club and the influence that he has, even over uh, this present squad. So for them to respond in the manner in which they did, you know, I, I, Tom Terrific, Tommy Turbo, we've talked a lot about Tom Trebojevic and, and how well he's playing, but to see him screaming at his own players, demanding more, asking for a, an improved effort, was to get a real insight into that, you wondered, you know, you know that was Bob Fulton to a T, and uh, just just incredible the way the team and the club responded yesterday. A couple of weeks ago, the Rabbitohs gave up 50 points to the Storm and didn't hit the scoreboard themselves. On the weekend, they gave up 56 against the Panthers. Their best is serviceable. Their worst is horrific. And I think you can now put a line through them. I, I was pretty strong on them having a line through them after being beaten 50 points to nil by Melbourne. You can't do it twice. Mm. You know, these sides are too good. They're, 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 they're so clinical. The number of points of attack that come from the Panthers to a defensive line is just incredible. I, I think we have our grand finalists sorted. I'd be very surprised if the, the Penrith Panthers didn't play the Melbourne Storm in the grand final. It would take something quite unique on an individual level. And you're talking about Manly there. Um, You know, Parramatta now have had their colours lowered. Um, South Sydney, you know, with that result over the course of the weekend. Um, There's two clear dominant standout sides in this competition. And it would be phenomenal effort from anyone outside of those two to, to even get into a grand final this year, I think. Jimmy Smith, NRL Nation, is online, SEN Sydney, of course. I want to take you all the way back to Thursday. Cowboys beat the Knights, and in the opening half an hour, I could not believe this, the opening half an hour, there were six tries. Yeah. Well, we were calling the game, and, you know, uh, Brett Kamali, Sean Timmons, and myself, and we, you know, scored predictions before, and we thought, our oh, Cowboys will win it. And they might win it 24 points to 12. And at 16-0, after 15 minutes, we're all, oh, can we change our score lines? Can we change our score lines? And then 16-all after 30 minutes, we're like, oh, I think we better change them again. It, it's amazing how that game really did flow on the back of uh, a couple of sin binnings. Mm. Uh, and by the way, Ashley Klein uh, set the tone for the weekend. And, you know, he got those sin bins exactly right. They, they deserve to go to the sin bin. And you could say that the vast majority of decisions that were made around on report and sin binning and not sin binning 
um, were, were pretty spot on over the course of a weekend. So the carnage has continued. 29 players charged coming out of that, uh, out of round 11. Um, but I think it, it basically it just restates it for everyone um, that Peter Volandis and the ARLC are not backing down from this. And you know, Timmy, there's one team that has shown the discipline to not have any players sent to the sim. In that team, the Melbourne Storm. Mm, yeah, 100%. They have their own tackling technique anyway. Uh... <laughs> Way I ask. It's only what I. It's only what I read. It's only what I read. Uh, hey, what about the Broncos? What about the Broncos upsetting the Roosters? And, and I think it's not just that they upset the Roosters, but the level of performance from them. You know, the Roosters—they were up for the game. Jake Friend, club great, retired uh, because of concussions. They wanted to send him out in an appropriate fashion. Uh, you know, they had some. Some stars playing, obviously, Tedesco headlining that. Now, we know that they've still got some players out, but the Broncos came down and did a really good job. They, the Albert Kelly was good. I don't think that surprised anyone. I think he's, he's been a good player for a long time, been over in the Super League, so very much out of mind, out of sight. But he played well, and the rest of the players, you know, reached season-high performances. You know, Tavita Pangai Jr., on the back of that one performance, might have played into... And, and the fact that... Angus Crichton and Victor Radley probably won't be there for State of Origin 1. He's played himself into a Blues jumper. Do you think the Broncos will come back to the pack on Thursday night when they host the Storm? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and that's, that's the problem. The difference between playing the Roosters and playing the Storm, they're, they're, that's the challenge for them. Um, you know, they can compete for extended periods and they've shown that. So that, that's got to be pleasing to Kevin Walters, but um, taking on the storm is a different proposition altogether. You know, look at the storm over the over the weekend, Timmy. They played at Canberra against a team that everyone thinks should be a quality side, and there's lots of murmurings about what's happening in the nation's capital. They had a home game there against the Melbourne Storm, and they led 10-0. And you thought, oh, don't tell me another upset on the back of the Roosters-Broncos game. And then the Melbourne Storm scored 34 unanswered points, which is, you know, a great effort in itself, but they were missing their first-choice fullback, their first-choice 5'8", their first-choice halfback, and their first-choice hooker. Not many clubs can do that. And the last one, the last game I want to uh, get you to preview very briefly is the, the clash between third and fourth. And we've, talk, we've spoken about the Rabbitohs being off. They're playing the Parramatta Eels, of course. Now, these two teams, the last time they've played, Rabbitohs have uh, scored 38 points on both occasions, 38-0 and 38-24. Uh, I think they played twice last year, almost very close. They played late August and, and early October as well. Uh, can the Eels bounce back and uh, the Rabbitohs still good enough to sort of rally up 38 points? Yeah, I think it's a, a it's an improved Eels side and the, and the Rabbitohs will have lost confidence, um, especially in what they're doing defensively. You, the, the one thing that makes you think, oh, maybe the Rabbitohs can do something here is that Latrell Mitchell will have had a run uh, had 80 minutes under the belt, and the fact that they've got Wayne Bennett as the coach. In, in saying that, with Wayne Bennett as the coach and what the Rabbitohs have been doing previously, I anticipated a much better performance from them at, Dumb, at Dubbo. But basically, Wayne came out and apologised for the performance. So um, I, I think Parramatta gets stung by what happened to them yesterday at Bankwest Stadium. I see a very, very much an improved performance from them. I think they've got too much power for the South Sydney Rabbitohs. They'll go, they'll go through the middle on them, um, be more physical than them, and 
Yeah, I think Parramatta can win that one, Timmy. Jimmy, last one, just very briefly. Um, do you think um, Bobby Fulton, um, and does he, and could he, and do you know if the family would accept a state funeral? I mean, if he's an immortal of the game, surely there must be something coming back from the, the, the state government in regards to honouring him in the highest possible way. Can't speak on behalf of the family, but I'd imagine it would be an enormous honour if it was to be bestowed upon them, and I would think it an appropriate one too. Good on you, mate. Appreciate your time. We're here on NRO Nation and uh, and also, of course, on SEN Sydney. Appreciate your time again on, on Sporting Goss. Thanks, Jimmy. Have a good one. He's the rugby league guru here on NRL Nation and SEN. Jimmy Smith, this is Sporting Goss, back with plenty more on this Monday edition. Good on you, April. April Austin there with the news. Another half hour to go. In fact, 25 minutes left of Sporting Goss for this Monday. Don't forget Peter Vlahos. Actually, Pete, Pete's in the studio. You're here very early, Pete. What's the story? And you've got a suit oh, jacket on. Yeah, no, no. It's a bit cold out there, Goss, and I realised I didn't have any jackets to wear, so I thought I'd put this on. No, <laughs> listening to the show, driving in. Outstanding. Yeah. Very good. Oh, thank you very much. Trent Cooper there uh, from the AFLW had their big night, yep. which was good to hear from Trent, the Dockers coach. He certainly did. And uh, did you watch any, taking any of the golf this morning? Did you wake up and watch any no, of the No, I missed it, actually. What do you mean you missed it, Pete? I, missed, I actually slept in. I did, did the you? glory last night, uh, yep. broadcast the glory for SEN. What time that and finish? Well, the finish, we were off here at 8.30 by the time I got home, yeah. you know, just after 9. Yeah. One of those guys that goes to bed fairly early, but for some reason I slept in this morning. Yeah. And I have a ritual every morning oh, regarding ritual. whether it's rain, hail or shine. Walk. I get out in the morning. Is that right? Go for a bit of a run, went for a swim. Run. And a swim. And a swim. Yep, so by the time Where I got back. Where do you do back, this, Peter? Every morning. Been doing it for years, Goss. Whereabouts, Peter? Down at Sereno Beach. You go in the water. I go in the water, Goss. Even if it's like today. Yes. Well, the water doesn't change. It may get a bit rougher, but it doesn't change. And just gives you a bit of life, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, no, it's good. It's, a, it's, it's a ritual. It's like those... I remember seeing a story about the icebergers that used to go yes. down to City Beach every yes. morning, even if it may have been negative five degrees. Yes. They used to go there. I'm not exactly an iceberger, but I like going down yeah. there. So. I used to do that years ago, but I've just, I've just run out of steam now. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you look like an athlete still. You're okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, just getting prepared. I'm going to speak to Doug Hawkins on my drive show today. Oh. Game, it's, a, it's a weekend of games record holders, you know, with Shannon Hearn yep. breaking the Eagles yep. record. Yep. And, of course, the... It seemed to go well for him. Yeah, and the... Dogs, dogs did well, went for the, well for the dogs, didn't it, against your mob, the St. Kilda. Yes. So I thought I'd get Hawk on. Always good value. What's so he do- doing now? He's a, he's a lollipop man for yeah, a, he like actually, a roadside. Uh, correct. Correct. Um, and he's going to tell a story tonight. He's coaching an under 19s team, very close to where he lives in Bacchus Marsh. Yep. And it comes from an area where, you know, kids come from. You know, split families, have had issues with, you know, substance abuse. Anyway, he's got them all together that are an under 19s team. And hadn't won a game for many years. And they'd struggled to get an under-19s team together. I think it's called Darcy or something like that. It's a, it's a suburb just outside Backers Marsh. Anyway, they've called Hawk in as a bit of mentor of the, the community. Mm. And he's taken control of this under-19s team. He's training them tonight. And I'll speak to him after they finish training. Mm. They've won five out of five. They've never won uh, games like this before. So all the kids who have come from broken families and been put out in the community, some are welfare kids, have come together. They're in the uh, extreme western suburbs of Melbourne and they're playing some good footy. So well, That's what go. footy does for, for yeah. people and communities, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. so Hawk's going to join us, talk about that experience that he's having and also about his beloved Western Bulldogs who are top of the tree. Does he want to coach the Wembley A-grade amateurs who have won a game? <laughs> they're zero and five, not five. Oh, five. really? Yeah, haven't won a game. But they got close against, uh, I think, CBC Frio on the weekend for the first time. So 
Yeah, chasing our first win, but heading back to be great if they don't live Well, you call it during the AFL Nation game, Cinepec are one of our sponsors yes. here on SEN. Tim Sieber is heavily involved with Cinepec. He's also heavily involved mm-hmm. as a director of the North Fremantle Football mm-hmm. Club. Great last time I saw them, they were one and three. Have they yeah. won another game in the last couple of weeks? They beat Wembley. Oh, they beat Wembley, yeah. so they're two and four or I'm something like sure that. I'm pretty sure it's something like that. Because yeah. I know they were playing CBC that weekend that, that I met with them, and CBC got them. Oh, really? Yeah, CBC. Oh, yeah, anyway. Um, so anyway, that's the reason, guys. Nice to invite me into your no, studio. No, no, just more than welcome. Just got to just kill some time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I was going to say, see, I woke up, see, I, so I went to bed uh, about halfway through the Grand Prix. Yeah. Monaco Grand Prix, bore, the, seriously, the worst race of the lot. It's the one they all want to win because of the glitz and the glamour, but it's the worst track for passing. The cars are too big. You get in front, game That's over. It. So, That's it. So um, Dick, uh, Leclerc, whatever his name is, um, whatever the guy was name, uh, he was the fastest qualifier, but his car broke down, so he didn't even start. And that was it. That was it. How did Daniel go? I must have been. I'm terrible. Gonna, I'm going to uh, get all the sports news. That's what I mean early. Terrible. I'm across everything, but no. I didn't see the. Uh, if you lead, say Tim Gossage said Daniel Ricciardo went terrible. I, I did like, hear that he was struggling in practice a couple of days uh, out. Yeah, he's, mate, you reckon he struggles in practice? He, he can't get past him anyway. But his teammate finished third, Lando Norris. Oh right, Charles okay. Leclerc is the yeah, guy I was thinking of. Yeah. So Gilly. So, Gilly, you know, he has the Friday focus where Correct. I get shunted out. Yeah, it was half an hour Kathy Freeman was outstanding yeah. on Friday. Well, let's hope she doesn't have to make a comeback because so far he's kiboshed Mark Leishman, who didn't make the cut at the PGA Championship. Yes. Right? Daniel Ricciardo can't get out of his own yeah. way in the car. Marcus Stoinis didn't get a, no, a CA didn't get contract. A run. No, didn't get a Yeah, exactly. Gary Ablett. I mean, seriously, why would you even think about, you know, having Gary Ablett? I mean... Ash, back. Bar- Ash Barty did have a win at Stuttgart. And Ash Barty will start favourite the French Open, which starts tonight, yeah, by the way. Does it start tonight? Start tonight. You love your women's tennis, don't you? Well, no, because I married into a tennis family. Did you really? Yes. What my, sort of tennis player was your well, wife? She was okay. She still plays oh, tennis. So, so, you didn't, tennis. Oh, you didn't, oh, so you didn't marry her for her tennis ability. There's someone else in her family that's No, tennis. she plays. Her twin sister plays. Yeah. Her parents used to play. Her grandparents used to play. So I right? thought oh, my that's... kids played. Yeah. I'm the only one that doesn't play. No. What sport are you good at? I was very good at Aussie rules, mate. When I got that job as an 18-year-old in Kalgoorlie working at 6kg, that cut short my career. Same. A couple of games at East Perth Colts all those years ago. Did you really? Yes, yes. Have I told you about my footy career? No, I've heard a lot about it. 1989. Particularly down at Wembley Amateurs. 1989. I know, you won a premiership and kicked the goal or something. the winning goal. But you know the real story? I'd been at Rumours Nightclub till about 2 o'clock in the morning, (laughs) right? And I was absolutely stonked and was hot. It was at Lathlane Park. It was hot against Trinity Aquinas. Yes. Took this towering mark, right? Oh, would have been. Were you as tall then as yeah, you are now? Yeah, at about half the weight. Anyway, <laughs> and long, and I, I was a towering mark right just before the halftime siren. I was 50, 40, top of the goal square, right? Went back, <laughs> kicked the goal. We didn't kick a goal after halftime, Wembley. Did not kick a goal, but we won by four points. Well, there you go. If I don't kick the goal, how oh. much do we? How much do we win by then, Pete? Yeah, None. You, we you, lose. You lose by two. And that story has grown and grown hey. and grown. And I must admit, I've heard it quite a few times. <laughs> Guys, lovely to catch Thanks, up Pete. with you, Five mate. Five o'clock tonight. Drive Five o'clock today. We've got Peter Sumich to analyse the uh, the Eagles and the Dockers, and the Dougie Hawkins is going to join me. So I'm looking forward to that. Get a breakaway. Come back, Matt Keenan, talking cycling next. So much interest in the Giro d'Italia. Of course, there is so much interest in world cycling at the moment because they go. From here, of course, they go then to the Tour de France and then they head across to Spain as well. And one man across all of this is Matt Keenan, of course, from SBS, 
who uh, is the go-to man when it comes to commentary in cycling on a world scale. And he joins us right now. The good news is that the Giro is just dishing up headline upon headline and incident upon incident. It is a cyclist nuffy's dream, Matty Keenan, as I say good morning. <laughs> It is, and I don't know where to start. So we start with the Nuffy that ran alongside Lorenzo Fortunato and nearly knocked him off just before he won the stage. We'll go with that Nuffy. There's plenty of those. There's plenty of those around that do oh, that. That's one of the things about cycling. So most sports on an international scale, they're stadium-based sports, and there's separation between the athlete, <laughs> the field of play, and the spectators. But cycling, you can get right alongside you can be in the ear of one of the riders and it's really difficult to police. And we saw a couple of nights ago, this guy was on target when his first ever pro race, about 1,500 metres from the finish line, and an idiot runs alongside him, almost loses his footing, bumps into him, and then he, he manages to stay upright. The rider keeps going. And then that spectator, Tim, he thinks, oh, here comes someone else. I'll see if I can have a chat to Jan Tratnik as well. But fortunately... The crowd took over. It was community policing, and they rugby tackled him to the ground. Yeah, he got him out of there before someone got killed, and on we mean killed. And interesting enough, we, we noticed this morning on Gillian Goss when Phil Mickelson hit his approach shot on the last hole at the PGA Championship, the crowd invaded the, the fairways and, and, and got around Mickelson pushing and shoving and hugging him and all sorts of things. And I said, one, so, so much for social distancing, two, so much for security. Uh, so, I mean, it is a concern on, on, a, on a world level everywhere. Hey, there's a bit of drama overnight, wasn't there? On the 15th stage, the yeah. race had to get stopped for a while. Yeah, it was. Jeez, it was a quick start. They had a tailwind. Everybody wanted to try and get into the breakaway. And then there was a big crash. There were 14 riders went down, which is, is not a, you know, there's been bigger crashes in terms of numbers, but they were, there were some serious injuries there. And they had to stop the race because if they continued the race, there wasn't enough medical support to take care of the riders that had crashed and then continue behind the bike race in case somebody else crashed. So they had to stop the race and then make sure everybody that needed to jump in an ambulance was able to get into an ambulance and then they could still have the race doctor behind the peloton and another ambulance get there in time to be behind the race as well. So the stage stopped for around about 20 minutes. And there were four riders in the end who had to abandon the race. They didn't look good at all. Fingers crossed that they do make a full recovery. And then as soon as the race started again, the first guy that attacked at kilometre zero, he attacked again, Victor Campanat, and he went full gas, and he forced the breakaway. Then he got himself into the breakaway. Then he attacked the breakaway again, and then he ended up winning the stage. He has nailed social distancing. Doesn't want to ride with anyone. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Hey, look, some bad news too, or some surprise news. Jai Hindley? Yeah. Yeah, he, he didn't look 100% when we hit the mountains, and we weren't sure what it was. It turns out that he's abandoned the race, came second in the race last year, and the statement from the team and from Jai is saying that he's got a saddle sore. And if you've ever had a saddle sore and tried to sit on your bike, it's super uncomfortable. But through my experience and having this chat with Robbie McEwen, who knows even better than I do about spending a lot of time on your bike with a sore backside, a saddle sore is normally a symptom of something else as well. It's the system breaking down. So he's probably got a little bit of a bug, a bit of bacteria or a bit of a virus, and the saddle sore is part of that symptom. He's now out of the race, and you know, he'll make a full recovery from that. He just needs to go home and have a couple of good nights' sleep. Matt Keenan from SBS Cycling is online. We're talking about the current situation at the Giro d'Italia. Uh, a bit of a question without notice. Uh, what about any of the other West Australians? Any West Australians still still sort of cycling yeah, along and still in good. contention? 
Absolutely. Not in contention to win, but in contention to do something and maybe a stage victory. We've got Cameron Myers riding with the bike exchange team, and he was a little under the weather the first week. He ended up going through two courses of antibiotics, and he's now actually coming good. I don't know how you recover when you're riding 150 to 200 kilometres per day, Tim, but that's why they're good and I'm commentating. (laughs) So he's, he's on the return. We saw him at the front yesterday. He's supporting Simon Yates, British guy on the Aussie team, who's second overall. So Cam Myers got a really big role to play. The other Western Australian, Michael Storer, who's a teammate of Jai Hindley's, he's been good, really good. He's been in a couple of breaks. He's looked like he's been a chance to win a stage. And I think now that Jai's out, their other team leader, Roman Bardet, is sitting, I think, eighth overall. Michael Storer should get a bit of freedom to try and go on a break and win a stage. And I'd love to see it happen. Okay, so who leads the Giro d'Italia coming into the next stage? And where is the next stage take us? Uh, the, the leader at the moment is the Colombian, Egan Bernal, who won the Tour de France yes. in 2019. And he looks like he's going to be pretty hard to stop. Tonight's stage is an absolute monster. They go, it's 212 kilometres, and they go over three mountains that take them above 2,000 metres in altitude. So three mountains bigger than any mountain that we've got in Australia, and they're doing it all in one day, wow. and it's 212 k's. It's forecast to be four degrees at the finish line, which isn't at top, the top of one of the mountains. So there will be snow at the top of the mountain. <laughs> Hopefully it's not snowing, but there'll be snow on the side of the road. And the forecast is miserable. I wouldn't be surprised if they have to change the course slightly because going to those sorts of altitudes in that weather could be really dangerous. But it makes for good TV. Certainly does. We're looking forward to it on SBS, of course. What is the, uh, the food of choice? What gets taken... Uh... To the, uh, the from the couch peloton, what are they providing? What are you uh, producing? Well, a couple of days ago, there was I was referring to mm-hmm. stage thirteen to Verona as pancake flat, and I got hounded on social media by the couch peloton team saying it's not pancake flat in Italy, mate. It's pizza flat. So then that day throughout the stage, my Twitter account was flooded with photos of homemade pizzas. Seriously? So that's been pretty cool. Yeah, it's really good. But tonight they're going up into the high mountains and I'm thinking something that's been slow cooked is nice and warm and a little bit stodgy. The sort of thing that you eat, you end up on the couch Mm. in a carbo coma Mm. and have a little bit of a nana nap. Yep, three sausage rolls, two pies of parsley and a chocolate milk washed down. Beautiful. Perfect. Actually, I had a sausage roll yesterday after my son's under nine football. Where did you get fantastic. it from? Where did you get? Did you get it from a service station, or did you buy it from a bakery? No, or? it was at the ground. It was oh. at the ground, and he played. He yeah. played at the Brunswick Street Oval, the old Fitzroy yeah. ground, where you know the, the Lions actually used to play up until about you know the nineteen fifties. It was yeah. really nice to to go out to that ground and see the juniors have a kick around. Are you a sauce man on your on your sausage roll? Please, how can you not have sauce? Oh. I don't want to have the sausage roll dry. I need the sauce. <laughs> Well, I'm assuming you have sauce, Tim. We can mate, no, mate, mate. I, I am a sauce man, but now, that, Thank you. now the debate rages, and someone has asked this question on social media today. Once the sauce is open, is it in the fridge or remain in the cupboard? No, 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 no. It's in the cupboard. There's really? enough sugar and preserve. Yes, there's enough sugar and preserves that is in there to keep it, you know, so it won't go off. And if you put it in the fridge yeah. and then you put it on your pie or your sausage roll, there's too big a contrast between the temperatures of the thing that you're eating. So I'm definitely, I'm firmly in the cupboard camp. Wow. All right. Well, one day you'll come out of That's the closet. Out of the, one day you'll come out of the we'll cupboard. come out of the kitchen cupboard. <laughs> what time are you on here tonight? What time do we tune in to SBS to watch the uh, Giro? 
9.20 on SBS Viceland. What channel is it? What time is that? 9.20. Is that 7.20 my no, time? 9.20, so that's 7.20 your time. Beautiful. Can't wait. We'll look forward fun. to it, mate. I hope you make the distance, 220 k's, whatever it is. I appreciate your time. We'll do it again soon. Good stuff, Tim. Thanks, he's, mate. He's a good man. He loves his sauce in the cupboard on his sausage roll. That's Matt Keenan. He is the guru when it comes to cycling around the world, and you can see him on SBS tonight on Giro d'Italia or, of course, anywhere online. Watch it wherever. But his name's Matt Keenan, and he is the absolute go-to when it comes to peddling. And if you're a part of the couch peloton, keep up the good work and keep the bloke honest. This is Sporting Goss. Sporting Goss is about to end right here, right now. Thanks, Alex. Thanks to Chris Clafuna, Special K, and thanks to you for listening to our show. We'll be back on your radio from 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. Peter Vlahos with Drive, of course, from 5 o'clock tonight. News just in, former Melbourne and number one draft pick and Port Adelaide player Jack Watts has been issued with an arrest warrant in regards to an accident that happened last year failing to appear in court. They're trying to track down his whereabouts. He does a podcast, doesn't he, with the Herald Sun? Pretty sure you'll see him on social media somewhere popping up, but he might be missing this week. But anyway, they're trying to track down Jack Watts because he's got to go to court. It's procedural, but still, um, just answer the phone, Jack, or uh, respond to the letters. I'll be back on the radio tomorrow from 10 o'clock. Thanks for your company. Drive safely, and may you have a good one. I'll do it again tomorrow. Sporting Goss. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91